Welcome to the Content Podcast, conversations with Silicon Valley's creatives. I'm Daniel Garcia, your host and the cultivator of Content Magazine, published by SV Creates. Hey, Daniel, it's Dave. Hey, how's it going, Daniel? This is Michael. Today we talk with Michael Boato, who's also known as DJ Basura and is one of the founders of Needle to the Groove Record Store, and with David Ma, who's a local writer and part of the Needle to the Groove record label. Hey guys, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Appreciate what you guys are doing um, with Needle to the Groove, and also both you guys contributing to, um, you know, the magazine and our events, you know, playing yeah. music and everything. So it's great to be able to talk to you guys. So, uh, yeah, I just want to get, if we can, for just our you know, listeners, just to get a little background of each of you, how you kind of um, got into the music scene and then how you came together. So, uh, Dave, why don't you go first and just kind of say a little bit of your history um, of how you got involved in music and writing and then how that led you to Needle to the Groove. Uh, sure. Um, you know, I've always just been uh, a fan of music, just like, you know, my partners here um, always been really nerdy about it and always um been just t- taken you know engulfed by it really um really enamored by it and um about 20 years ago i got into music journalism which i've been doing since then um i've written for rolling stone um pitchfork vibe magazine uh wax poetics the guardian billboard and a few other um publications local publications i've written for the metro we uh contribute to content um i've done stuff for uh, the san jose mercury news as well and um you know we've just uh mike and i and alan have been friends i think going on a decade plus now and you know we've all had different endeavors uh, mike's mike's a dj mike's mike's a dj alan's a record collector and it just sort of made sense after a while after just hanging out and stuff to to kind of come together and put out vinyl releases to, you know, uh, sort of c- cement ourselves in this culture that we've been really uh, into for many years individually. Yeah. So um, that th- that's kind of how everything took off. And, um, you know, this is our, I believe we're, this is our three and a half or fourth year. And so we, we got a lot of exciting stuff um, uh, uh, on deck. So thank you for taking the time here with us. Yeah. So, th- so saying three and a half years of having needle to the groove label kind of being, um, launched, right. And yes. Yeah. And it, it's, it's actually like a branch of the record shop, um, which is, which, you know, which you've been to and which Mike and Alan, um, are on site every day. Um, yeah. so it, it's a, it's sort of a continuation and extension of that. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, let's get into that in a minute. So then, for uh, Mike, for you, then uh, when you kind of, how did you get connected with uh, Needle to the Groove, and then how did that lead you to meet um, Dave? I met Alan when he first moved here from uh, the Midwest. I met Alan. We used to work at another record shop, and we worked there for I'd say three three or so years together, and then we both left. Yeah. And out of the blue, well, I was working at another spot, and he came to this shop that I was working at, and he, he we kind of got caught up with uh, what he was trying to do. And he, he he just pitched the idea. He was like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm trying to maybe open up my own record shop. And I was like, jokingly, I said, dude, 
let me help you out. Let's go. Let, let, let's do this thing. And one, yeah. one thing led to another. And then a couple of weeks later, we kind of got that going. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I've known, I've known, I think I've known David for, yeah, definitely over 10 years. Okay. I think I met him in, two, if memory serves correct, 2005 or 2000. I don't know. It's been about yeah. 15 years. 15 yeah, years. Was that, did you guys kind of meet each other through, like through more of that, the, the DJ scene or something like that? or Mutual um, friends, we're DJs. Yeah. Yeah, right? well, uh, yeah, um, Mike's, a, Mike's a real DJ. I'm sort of a record <laughs> collector, a reluctant guy who plays records. But yeah, we kind of met just through like, you know, downtown live events and channels and stuff. And we had a bunch of uh, really good mutual friends as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the, and then I think you know, Needle to the Groove started in launched in about 2010. Is that about right? Michael, I think the, the original shop. Yeah. You know, see, Dan, start, when did Dan start that? Uh, if Alan was here, you could tell me. I couldn't tell you the exact. Because that was in Fremont, Fremont right? Was that the first one? Pardon? Was the first one in Fremont? Yeah. And it, yeah. The first one was in Fremont and it's been around for well over 10, over 10 years. Yeah. Um, but Alan had met up with Dan, and Alan would shop with Dan. And uh, Alan really liked how Dan was as a person and as a, as, as a you know a shop owner. And when he had this idea of opening opening up a shop, that was one of the avenues that he wanted to take. Maybe possibly, if he didn't come up with his own name for our own name at the shop, we would just align ourselves with Neil to the Groove in Fremont because Dan just did it right. You know, he right. was a cool guy, really personable. He knew his records. Yeah. So we. we you know, we aligned ourselves with his model and his name. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, and then so the two of you guys just kind of met through the scene. So then when did kind of like the idea of uh, taking Needle to the Groove and moving it towards a label, when did that come about, and what kind of crazy conversation do you guys have to even to begin an endeavor like that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um, a lot of them sort of began at the bar. So we just, uh, had, <laughs> you know, we just we would just have drinks and kind of geek out over music and stuff. And, you know, we're, we're always sort of, I mean, you know, uh, without sounding pretentious, trying to be progressive with our endeavors. So, yeah. you know, we're just like, what can we do rather than just sit around tipsy talking about music like let's make something tangible out of it and <laughs> yeah. um uh and I, I think alan approached us with with the idea of hey you know we get approached with music um people give us demos and stuff why don't we look into it and you know put it out ourselves and and alan actually had um a history with rhyme sayers which is um which is an independent hip-hop label out of minneapolis um he was signed and um did some records out of there I yeah. think in the early 2000s. So he had a lot of um, experience already, as well as he had a, um, a super indie label called Birthright Records back in the day as well. So, you know, he we, we sort of just took his lead and jumped into it. And, you know, with, with Mike's sort of musical know-how and his acumen and his name and um, with my experience on the um, marketing and press and journalistic end, we, we yeah. thought it would just be a good combination. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think, like, the? that's kind of a good question, like, the the three, what's the, what is the different skill sets that you guys, that the three of you kind of bring to to form the label? To... Well, sure. I mean, on my end, I do whatever I can in terms of the network that I've built through journalism. So if yeah. we need to reach out to magazines, we need to reach out to artists and managers and publi uh, publicity agents and stuff, um, I take care of that. 
but in general, I mean, we just meet up and sit down in the back and listen to listen to music and say, this is good, this is not good, what should we do with this, what we shouldn't do with this, and just kind of, um, it's just kind of a group out, uh, group effort. But um, Michael and AJ have a lot of know-how in that stuff, so they, they definitely help me with that. Yeah, AJ especially, you know, with him running his own label in his early 20s and having that experience with Rhyme Fairs and also us having uh, prior histories with working at other record stores. Yeah. You know, that all that combined, man, just makes a big Voltron robot for us. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, it seems to me, I mean, not only is like, you know, curating the music, but I would think, you know, like it's the it's the distribution, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. I, I imagine the costs of producing an album are not uh, cheap, right? And to get it printed and pressed and all that kind right, of stuff. Right, right. And then so the distribution of that. What So what's some of the surprises and things that you've learned about kind of putting together the label well on my end i mean certainly you go into it thinking and knowing that it's going to be a group effort but you know it's just like any small business owner where where decisions come down to the final to to the final mark and you're the guys who have to make that decision and so with with all these projects that we put out it's it's a big um orchestration because it's like we need artwork you know we we need a press person we need uh just all kinds of communication with the manufacturing and just all kinds of stuff and so yeah it's uh, again i mean we we work in tandem to try to make everything work and and that was sort of a big surprise because at first you just want to put out music you like, but then yeah. it's like, oh, okay, you really got to do the work and you really got to do the work and like do your homework and make sure the final product is exact, you know, because you're also representing the artist. So if you if we mess up on our end, like we don't want to look like clowns, too, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, do you have anything to say on kind of like the that kind of like the business running side of it? Well, you know, with the uh, recent run of events with COVID, that kind of made a lot of stuff difficult in terms of getting product out. Like uh, one of our latest releases from Casual Crypt, we had, we hit a bump in the road with uh, not just COVID, but a record, uh, uh, you know, factories closing, vinyl factories like closing oh, like, yeah. permanently. Yeah. We, uh, we used to deal with a place called Rainbow Records, and, uh, you know, less than a year ago, they they couldn't carry on. They, you know, they, I don't really know what the backstory is. I think, uh, they couldn't renew their lease or they couldn't afford their building anymore, but we had to look for another plant to go to, uh, produce our records. And so we had to, we had to do more research. Like we, we were relying on rainbow for a lot of our past releases, but since they went under, we had to look for, we had to do more research and see what else was out there. Yeah. And that, that was, that was some work, but we got through it. Yeah. So then uh, kind of enlighten me because I don't know exactly how it all uh, works. So if you are representing an artist now, are you helping them in the recording process as well? Or is it kind of they're submitting to you and then you're helping them more on kind of the publicity and the release or de- depends on the artist? How does that all kind of work? Every release is, every release is different for every, you know, uh, for Marinero, for example, he already had his tracks made. Yeah. So we had to go in. uh he had his tracks made, uh, and then for another release that we've got coming out, Valuable, we've yeah. we we had studio time. We 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 used studio time for Valuable to like for them to create the songs. Yeah. So it, it kind of depends. It's it, it's on a 
it, it depends on, on the artist. If they have the tracks made already or if they want to make fresh new tracks, it, it all depends. Yeah, it's really much on a case-by-case basis. So if somebody yeah. comes to us comes to us with a demo and that's like step one and it's really strong and, and we, we feel them as people and stuff, then, then we'll, be, we'll be there for every single step of the way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes people just present you the product and it's like, it's already done. Can you guys you know slap a bow on this and give me some support and put it out and you know we've we have also done that as well so it's it's really case by case and we've been fortunate enough to work with you know people who've been delivering really strong product and who are open to working with us throughout the whole process so yeah, yeah so far it's been working well so then uh so let's say it's an artist that basically you heard a demo it's pretty rough you think they got a lot of talent you want to do something with it and then you do help them go to the studio. I mean, that's going to cost time. Do you guys do something where it's like, uh, all right, we'll upfront you for the studio time, or they pay the studio time, and then you're going to get a cut of the global distribution yeah, yeah. sales? Or <laughs> yes, all that has worked out with Alan. He, he's 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 a studio guy, so he works yeah. out the deal of the studio time and what the bands or the artists want to contribute or what we want to contribute. We kind of uh, you know come to terms with within each other. So it's right. We also have another partner. His name's uh, Jeff Brummett. Uh, goes by JB. He's part of a band called Doctor Nurse. Yeah. And uh, he he also will sit in and sit in on the studio as well because he's a musician and we trust his ear and uh, you know he. So I mean there there is a process with that as well. Yeah. Cool. So what would you say then? Um, I mean, you guys have put out probably what like uh, 15, 14, 15 um it's something like that yeah. eps now like in the last couple of years um yeah and they're pretty uh, yeah a few things yeah uh it's it's a pretty i mean it's fun because it's kind of an eclectic style what would you say needle to groove needle to the groove is what would you say what could i expect what's the flavor what's the 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 music genre that you're kind of putting out there well, you know, it's 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 kind of hard because I, it's it's easier just to say, hey, we're a rock label or we're a rap label, and then people sort of know what they're getting themselves into. With us, we've we've always strove to be eclectic, and yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with Stones Throw, the label. Yeah. Um, it's ran it's ran by Peanut Butter Wolf, who's yeah. also a hometown hero, and you know, the, their entire approach has been we just put out everything from weird garage shit to rap stuff, and yeah. that's been our approach. And you know, sort of being a brand new label doing that people are like i like this one approach but i i hate this other record and people don't know where to grasp but you know i think as as time has gone on and time has proven um it becomes like a seal of quality so people might not be into this rap record or never have heard of it but because they bought three other releases on the label they'll check it out on strength and um it's working out well for us and you know we have a lot of cassette releases we have cd releases 45s and lps yeah and uh they're they've all been going pretty well and i think just being eclectic and colorful is is the approach mike well said bud you you nailed it (laughs) all in all we are an eclectic label you know you can't you can't you can't pigeonhole us yeah with uh you know one one style of music to another we we just we we put out what we like yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah basically Well, that's good. I mean, that's, you know, I think for me who, you know, I find that I have a real eclectic style too. And so I'm kind of like a lot of, you know, I I, I can't listen to one radio station. I can't, you know, I have to make, curate my own list. And that's what I appreciate about you guys is that you're bringing kind of like, you're doing the research for me in many ways, right? And bringing (laughs) me kind of cool stuff. So, I mean, you can go from Valley Wolf to 
uh, Maranio, but like, you know, mm-hmm. to like, you know, I don't know, DJ uh, Platern or something like that. Like, you know, it's like right. a, a whole different kind of mix, you know, uh, right. B. Lewis, you know what I mean? Like, and you get mm-hmm. these different kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. And for me, I love it because... Uh, I don't. I don't want to listen to just rock. I don't want to just listen to just rap. I don't want to just listen to just I don't know like uh, lounge music. But I want to be surprised. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, but you is that um, so you the I mean that would be the goal then that when people think of what you're producing with Needle to the Groove is that is like it's eclectic but it's quality. Is that kind of just the general type of thing? Yeah, I would say so. I would say so that that the that the um consumer sort of knows what they're getting you know the like uh for instance our uh, current project that we're working on is um it's a soundtrack to the uh, malcolm x documentary on netflix it's called by every means necessary and it's produced by um a longtime legendary uh hip-hop producer by the name of prince paul um it's him along with a guy named don newkirk and so we're that's currently um out right now but we followed that we followed that release right up with practice birdheads which is like a limited edition cassette that's hand numbered and it's just like ambient tunes so you know we are all over the place but our hope is um fans of the label who are familiar with the quality will pick up both right you know what i mean yeah well i think that's great i mean i think so much what happens in our culture um is that you start running in one kind of like silo and then with Mm -hmm. that even it's a genre of music or whatever also contains a lot of other cultural influences and ideas and philosophies. And if you don't open yourself up to kind of like different flavors, I think you kind of miss kind of like the richness, not only of music and that art, but also even kind of cultural influences. Um, Sure. Yeah. yeah. 100%. So then for you guys, what do you see even, um, you know, the role of music in society, especially with everything that's going on today? Um, what do you guys, what's your kind of view on how even Needle to the Groove, uh, especially with, you know, putting out the the, the soundtrack to any means necessary? Right. Every, every, well, every means necessary. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. I, I think in, in, in general, music is very healing and it's reflective of the time. So, I mean, if anything that we can do to sort of uh, lubricate that um, process, we're here for it. Well, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think Michael's just a big fan of Dave. Is what's going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm Mike. I'm Mike's number one fan. He knows that. <laughs> yeah, right. That's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I've been trying to want to kind of bring up more in our podcast is just that intersection between art and culture. Totally, um, totally. For you guys, what do you think? Uh, what's been some of the main kind of like, uh, especially in the music realm, music influences? They kind of formulate have formulated your view of society and culture. So let's go with Michael first, so he can't take Dave's answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You actually can you repeat the question? You kind of yeah yeah I was kind of all over the map. Basically, for you, what's some of the musical influences that have kind of uh, shaped your kind of like worldview and the way that you approach uh, the world and given you your view of culture? Oh man, I can tell. I, I can definitely answer that first part. The second part about how it, it viewing the world and the culture, I, 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 I don't know. I can answer that for you, but I can give you some influences right now. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I can uh, answer that second part after I hear what David has to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So I guess, yeah, we'll start off with my musical influences. Yeah. Uh, man, I have so many. I'm really drawn to electronic music. Yeah. We'll, we'll start off with that. I'm really drawn to electronic music. For me, uh, production is more important than lyrics, and I know that's, you know, for a lot of people that that's weird because I know uh, Dave and Alan and Jeff are really into lyrics, but I, the music, I'm all about the mood and the vibe, like the instrumentation. Yeah. I'm really just into synths, Aphex Twin, ambient music, like what we're putting out, this Kiri thing is friggin' yeah. amazing. Yeah. And there's no, there's no lyrics. It's, it's very moody. Mm-hmm. Puts you in a place. Um, but uh, from that, I think let's take it to David, so I can think about that second part. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's just say it. So then your your kind of uh, kind of flavor is much more the 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 instrumentation and the production, not so much on the storytelling aspects, right? Yeah, for yeah. me, I'm all about I'm all about the beat. Yeah, I love instrumentals in general. Like you know, a lot of the Krongbin stuff that's out. That's I've, I've been really digging that. Mm, yeah, so good. Like uh, lyrics are secondary to me, unfortunately. No, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, everybody's got their different thing. Well, now Dave's a writer, so maybe he's into the story. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, I'm very much into production as well. But to but to your to answer your question, um, for me, I guess it would be hip hop. But you know, in general, hip hop. Um, uh, leads to self-discovery because yeah. it's like, oh, I like this one song. Um, who I like that one baseline in this one song. So then you you go on and find out who who was sampled, and it leads you to it leads you to a plethora of soul artists or or this one composer who did this one little thing on this one song that you like. So it sort of leads to just more musical discovery, and I think that's really um, informed my own my own music um, and my own. Um, interest in it um but you know uh to mike's point regarding lyrics i mean um i i i treat both equally but you know i mean i think you know leonard cohen's like the best writer ever you know what i mean so it's uh, for, for me it's it's a little bit of both but i would say hip-hop has really informed my worldview yeah yeah um of the the different projects that you have released for each of you what's kind of like more of your your personal, like, yeah, I really am, am proud of this one. I know, of course, you're proud of all of them, but, um, you know, like, you know, for Michael, what's kind of one for you, David? What's kind of one for you? I know what David did, but uh, <laughs> oh, maybe we should do that where you used to answer for each other. <laughs> <laughs> I think no. we can do that too. But <laughs> well, personally, for me, at this very moment in time, with what we've put out, I would uh, have to say, Casual Crypt is my favorite okay. release. Although I love all of our releases, but I, it, mm-hmm. you know, I really connect with Casual Crypt's uh, record. Yeah. I just, I just love his production. It's just so layered. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, him as a person, I've, I've known this guy for a long time. This guy Jim, and uh, we have a lot of the same musical tastes. Yeah. Uh, in the electronic realm, but he goes far. He loves rock. He loves indie. He loves garage. He loves psych. But. Uh, Casual Crypt, I, I think, at this moment in time. Okay, cool. Is yeah. my favorite. Review. I'll definitely check it out. Um, and then, Dave, what about you? Um, you know, uh, for me, I think it, it kind of changes with each release. It's like, oh, what's the new one we're working on that we're really excited about? And that ends up kind of sort of being my favorite. But um, 
given our past catalog, I like our Breaking the Ice uh, release, which was a DJ Plattern uh, release. Um, it was a mix that was made from all obscure Icelandic vinyl, oh, and wow. it comes with it comes with some liner notes that I wrote, um, which sort of tells the story of how it came to be. And I, I'm I've always been fixated on like historical type projects and stuff, so I really like stuff like that. But um, uh, shout out to the Apitheater release as well, which is DJ Plattern and uh, Edgewise, um, yeah. a local MC as well. Uh, that was a tape release, and it's just it's just really simplistic beats and raps, and I've always been really fond of stuff like that. So yeah. um, that's another favorite as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Plattern's mix is a, a, a close second for me. It's 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 beautifully blended. Mm-hmm. It's and and every track is just a new discovery. I've never heard of any of this music. Yeah. And, Cool. It's friggin' amazing. Yeah, that's great. That's good. So um, now let's talk about uh, the South Bay music scene. I know you guys have both been, been around a lot, uh, the clubs. I know, uh, Michael, you know, you were at the played at the Ritz, or uh, even before that, the Blank Club, right? So um, so what's what, what's your guys' kind of view of the music scene in San Jose? What, what do you see as some of it, its strengths and some of, some of its weaknesses? So... Uh, Michael, why don't you go first? Strengths. I think there are a lot of little groups of people that are doing their own thing. Uh, meaning, I know, especially with the, with the younger generation, with the younger kids, I'm seeing a lot of a lot more uh, photos of a lot of private shows and house shows in yeah. downtown yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, and smaller venues, like venues I've never even heard of. Mainly houses and uh, what's this other? What's this place, David, on Seventh Street or Sixth Street? What is that place? Is that uh, Martha or something like that? Uh, Martha Street, yeah. 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 No, not Martha Street, but it's it's right across the street from San Jose State. Oh, the the LGBT like wait, oh the this? peace and the yeah. peace and justice. So, yeah, yeah. They're making some waves. Uh, there's just a lot, like you know, uh, they just have a lot of these shows that, and, and all these bands I've never heard of. And they're these young kids and they're just making waves in their own scenes, all sorts of different sounds of music. It's not just one thing. Yeah. You know, they, they're doing metal and noise and folk and indie. And I think there's a lot like, especially with the young, the younger generation, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that's waiting to just be discovered. Like a lot yeah. of people are trying to do something because with our generation of folks, in my view, there's just not a whole lot going on in terms of live music. There's not a whole lot of places to yeah. play. Right. There's the caravan. There's the Ritz. There's the back bar. There's a, uh, let's see, uh, the place near uh, the Shark Tank, the Poorhouse Bistro. Yeah, yeah. Art boutique. Just, I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing a whole right. lot from, from the older generation, but I'm seeing a whole lot of things. You know, I'm, a lot of stuff is stirring up with the younger crowd, with the teens and the the people in their early twenties and I'm still trying to discover it all. Yeah. And it's, it's exciting for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm liking that. I don't know a lot of this stuff and I'm still trying to discover it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, that was kind of a strength and a weakness, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Because there's uh the strength is that there's kind of this indie scene of these people finding the places, making it happen. But the weakness is there's not that many venues. Right. And stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Just not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, what about you? What's what do you see? Kind of the strength and the weaknesses. Well, I I was just gonna kind of echo Mike's point that you know I you know next thing you know, um, we're we're the old guys in the scene. You know what I mean? Uh, next yeah. thing you know, like um, there, there's just a new crop of young kids. And to Mike's point, I think the biggest setback to 
South Bay's music scene is the lack of venues. I mean, you, you go to San Francisco and Oakland and like a super small or medium show is sold out on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, San, San Jose, it's always a, an uphill climb to get always. people out and to just to get a sense of unity. And yeah. not to say that that doesn't happen, but it just doesn't happen with the ease that it does elsewhere. Um, so I would like to see that improve. And, you know, uh, obviously COVID is not helping the situation, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. but, uh, but, to, but to Mike's point also, I mean, we love seeing the young kids do their thing. And I love not knowing what's going on. Cause that just, that's just more opportunity to explore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So what's some, uh, future projects for, uh, you guys and the label and what do you what's what's coming up that we could be looking for well it's pretty exciting because we we work on stuff and we work so hard on it and the world doesn't even get to see it for another three or four months so um at the moment we're working on a few things um i can speak on one in particular which is um alan goes by albert jenkins as well which is sort which is sort of his production moniker and he's working on a project with a rapper named Casual, who is part of Hieroglyphics awesome. from from Oakland, and they're legendary. They're the type of dudes that we listened to while we were growing up. So to be in the yeah. same room and to be at the same table, making a project with them is yeah. uh, is pretty astounding. So we're really excited about that. Um, we also have the Valley Wolf project that um, we talked about a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, I think Mike Mike can Mike can expound on some of the stuff. Yeah, the Valley Wolf project will be a seven-inch, a forty-five, co-produced by some of the guys from a band called Chicano Batman. Yeah. Uh, so that's 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 next in line. We also have we're also going to be putting out another vinyl LP release from Diamond Ortiz with some tracks that he's never put out on vinyl. Cool. So got that. We also have um, we have. Shoot, you know what? I might even be putting something out. Oh, okay. Right, right. Oh. All right. Some, right. Uh, <laughs> a coll- this is still in the works. You know, we're still thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I used to dabble in music. Uh, I don't dabble in music uh, as much as I used to, but uh, in the when I was a teen, in my early 20s, I, I recorded a bunch of, just a bunch of music on tape. And maybe, All right. you know, we might see a Basura compilation. Yeah. We also right. have this project uh, called Beat Theory, which is, Mm. Uh, three guys, one including Ray Resurrection, awesome. uh, and it's uh, it's an instrumental like future G funk hip hop electronic hybrid. Yeah, uh, and that's going to be coming out soon. Super, all these are going to be super limited, by the way, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, so th- that's about four or five things were in the works that that are in the works for the label. Yeah, those all sound great. Yeah, that's cool. Now, so then, um, what is it like? Yeah, when you go to pressing vinyl. What what's your normal kind of like run that you're that you do with something like this? Well, we're trying to keep we're trying to keep them small boutique yeah. sort of runs. So, um, you know, three three hundred, five hundred, yeah, are, are are typically the amounts that we're doing. I think uh, for the aforementioned uh, breaking the ice DJ platter, we did a thousand. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And then I did see that you guys do um, like some kind of like limited edition signed. Um, albums and stuff like that sometimes too, right? 
Right, right. We we try to deliver um, not just you know the the audio files. You know, we try to deliver the the an, an entire tactile project. So yeah. the cover art needs to be dope. You know what I mean? Um, liner notes, if we have them, um, stickers, shirts. Yeah. You know, just just sort of an entire package for the consumer. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Now then, um, how has COVID been for you guys? With, uh, I mean, of course, the record store is dependent upon people coming in. And mm-hmm. so how's that, how's that all been for you guys? Yeah. In terms of the shop, man, that sucked. You know, we were closed for a couple of months, Yeah, two and a half months or so. And that, that, that really bummed us out. We didn't know what, what was going to happen. Yeah. Luckily, uh, we still continued online sales, which helped. Yeah. And, um, that was a bummer. Uh, but now that we're back in business, it's it's actually been you know, with the with the time with the COVID hitting and everyone stuck at home and us being able to open again, we saw a big influx that first week of people like just wanting to go record shopping. Like yeah. that that first week of sales was killer, um, and actually sales are back to normal. Or I'd say actually better. They're, they've been really steady and really good. Great, great. Um, but under given the circumstances, it it is weird, to, you know the whole the whole process of having people wearing masks and, yeah. and sanitizing and having X amount of people in, at a time in shop, and it's just everything's a little different. Everything's a little different, but we we have been pulling through for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I know that you guys had talked about doing like you know, you know maybe even helping promote different concerts and you know performances mm-hmm. and stuff like that so of course that's going to be on hold right until have you guys done i haven't seen it have you guys done like a zoom on a digital kind of like release concert or anything like that as needle to the group? we haven't done anything of that sort but uh we are in the works of finally doing some dj streaming yeah so um i know yeah, we're, we're going to start working on that. Alan's planning on doing a gospel mix, a oh, live fun. gospel mix that we'll stream and, you know, we'll put up on YouTube. And Tucker, one of our guys, is going to do a, a Japanese city pop jazzy sort of yes. thing. And I plan on doing a an experimental electronic mix that yes. we'll stream. And then all this will end up on YouTube as well. And mm. David, I'm sure he'll end up doing an awesome reggae or ska <laughs> or soul mix. But we're going to start streaming soon. We haven't yeah. done any sort of parties or Zoom parties or anything like that. Not yet. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, um, so then, yeah, actually, you know what, Dave, I wanted to ask you from the different interviews sure. that you've done, because you also are, you know, a writer. Um, sure. What's uh, one of the interviews that you've done of a musician or producer or something like that that really has stuck out in your mind that you really was like awesome for you? Oh wow! You know, I, um, I I'm pretty fortunate to 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 stay pretty active with that. So, um, and again, uh, it's sort of it, I guess it speaks to how my brain works. I'm always like mostly excited about the most recent thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I um uh, uh about three weeks ago I I interviewed Black Thought from the Roots. Um. So I'm so that went very well. Um. It's it's slated to be for it's slated to drop on the Paris Review, which is a an awesome. old timey um literary magazine that i'm very 
uh, proud to even be a part of. Um, cool. So uh, that interview went well because it's it, the focus of that was his writing and his writing acumen. And um, he was just reading me lyrics that he's working on and telling me backstories of the roots and quest love and how they got into hip hop and them working at the Philadelphia school of music. Um, all of that is just so insightful. And, you know, every time I'm in these interviews, I'm just, I'm just super fortunate and just elated that I'm, you know, uh, even a part of it. So yeah, yeah, man. So black thought was really fun, but I mean, throughout my career, I've been able to sort of knock off bucket lists and talk to artists that I've always been really fond of, uh, MF doom, Ghostface, um, a, a few other ones. So, you know, um, very fortunate in that regard still and keeping busy. I'm working on a few things right now that are going to drop probably within about two weeks that I'm excited about as well. Yeah, cool. Right on. Awesome. And then, uh, Michael, I mean, I guess, um, I mean, I was going to ask you, like, when's the next DJ set that you're doing? But I guess, you know, that's what I would love to see that you're like oh i'm every friday night or every wednesday night at stretch or at uh the ritz but um any any idea of when that's would start happening and you hear anything in the industry oh man i i wish i had good news about uh when the ritz would be opening up i I have no idea it's not it's not looking great for the rest of the year i'd say yeah that's Um, real sad yeah it sucks man uh in terms of DJing again. I think the the next the next thing I'll probably do is this this needle to the groove stream, this DJ yeah. stream slash recorded video for YouTube. But it, it'll probably happen within the next month. I have no no exact date because we're still working out the kinks. But yeah, that'll probably be the next thing. Yeah, cool. All right, you guys. Uh, totally appreciate what you're doing. And do you guys have anything else you want to throw in there? Anything you want to plug? You want to say hi to your mom or anything like that? <laughs> Well, um, not really, but I, you know, Daniel, since I got your ear, I just want to say thank you for all the support. Uh, we're really happy to be a part of the, the, the monthly record reviews and, you know, um, content is always doing their thing. And I know that in these times it's, it's probably more difficult and, um, thank you for your constant support and we're here to support you as well. So. Oh yeah. I totally appreciate it, man. I love what you guys are doing. I mean, like I said, that's, that becomes my like playlist of what you guys put out there because, you know, otherwise, you know, I'm going to get stuck listening to the same old stuff on my, you know, Spotify and fall into this track. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing. It's really cool. So, all cool. right. You know, thank you guys, Michael and Dave. I really appreciate you. And you. Um, hopefully I'll be seeing you in, in person without masks yes, sir. and with beers. Sooner so, than later. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. First beers on me, guys. Sounds good. <laughs> I'll see all you right. later. Yeah. All right. All take right. it easy, thank guys. You, Daniel. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye. To find out more about Needle to the Groove, follow them on Instagram at Needle to the Groove Records. And for the record label, go to Needle to the Groove underscore ENT. This episode's music is an exclusive track called The Streets from Needle to the Grooves label's most recent release done by Prince Paul and Don Newkirk called By Every Means Necessary, which is the soundtrack for the Netflix film Who Killed Malcolm X. Thank you for listening to the Content Magazine podcast. Follow us on social media at Content Mag. Subscribe by going to our website, content-magazine.com.